630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30. Chad, obviously... I don't want to say just the hockey world because I think all Canadians have been rattled by the tragedy with the Humboldt bus crash. If you were listening on Friday, you'll know that we were just at, uh, that was the first time we were getting a lot of details about it and the word fatalities first came out. And it's obviously been uh, a very, very difficult weekend for a lot of people. Obviously, if uh, you have been any sort of an athlete, if you have a son, daughter, brother, sister, any sort of relative who has played any sort of professional professional sports they've probably taken some sort of a bus trip at some point so it certainly puts a lot of that uh, into perspective and reminds you about uh, all the safe trips that we've been lucky to complete over the years unfortunately that wasn't the case for the uh, Humboldt Broncos Uh, obviously you know several uh, we still have several of the uh, injured in hospital, four critical, four stable, four serious. Fifteen people have lost their lives. You'll get to know a couple of them later on on Inside Sports. Oilers head coach Todd McClellan visited Saskatoon, Humboldt, a lot of the survivors and families yesterday. You know, this is going to sound very strange, but it was rewarding to, to go and be able to spend time with that group and and when I say that group there's a lot of focus on obviously the the victims and the players that are in the hospital right now but the the group is is immensely or or, or much bigger than than we can imagine um you know I I never considered billets and billets families and the, the the extended family there grandma's grandpa's girlfriends that are sitting there um cousins um you know, the hospital was full of, of those people that were affected by it. Um, the day was full of emotions from every uh, possible range, from, from, from pure mourning to, to actually some joy in the day. Um, and um, it was very impactful. So um, those players are, are, we use the word hockey strong, uh, a lot because they are uh, they are hockey strong you could see them they're young strong lads that that uh, are uh, well they're hockey strong they're, they're, they need to be hockey strong right now and um, they'll fight through it uh, but as I mentioned earlier the, the amount of support that that has poured in is is overwhelming and uh, as the days go on, it will likely diminish, uh, but that's when they're going to need it the most. 
So a little bit there from Todd McClellan. He and Flames head coach Glenn Gullitson visited Saskatchewan yesterday. Todd obviously very affected by this tragedy, as I'm sure many of you are. We will talk more about Humboldt later on in the show. The Oilers did wrap up their season on Saturday with the shootout win over the Vancouver Canucks. The players gave their final remarks yesterday. Todd McClellan did today. We will break down some of the highlights. Of course, we have time for open line and texts on the Edmonton and Oilers season. What do you think happened? What would you like to know? Where do we go next? You can react to some of the audio we're going to play. The phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. We're coming right back with all of that inside sports on 630 Chat. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, the Nuge wound up with a pretty good season in terms of his individual performance. We will talk about that as we move along tonight. It is 6-12. Thank you so much for tuning in. Obviously, no NHL games until the playoffs start on Wednesday. The Blue Jays leading the Orioles 2-1. That's in the bottom of the third. Blue Jays 6-4 to start the season. Actually, the third inning just ended 2-1 for the Blue Jays. Dustin Kaufman making a rare appearance as our studio producer this evening. Dustin, how's it going, old boy? Good, how are you? Good. Now, you don't like talking on the radio, right? I do. Well, you're okay with it? I just don't know much about sports. Well, that's okay. Who really does? Who has all the answers? If everybody had all the answers, everybody would win all the time. Uh, I will say this, though. We miss Kellen Kennedy tonight, because who's going to give us the WrestleMania breakdown? Right. You'll get that from him tomorrow. Is he back tomorrow? Did you yeah. watch WrestleMania? I didn't. No. I have. I don't have the first clue what happened with WrestleMania. I saw a couple things on Twitter where people were like, disappointing show. I don't know. Don't you have to pay to watch WrestleMania? I think so. I think so. Well, see, there's bucks. why I'm not a wrestling fan. I'm too cheap. <laughs> I'm too cheap to be a wrestling fan. There's no doubt about that. 630-630 is how you text us. 780-496-0063 is how you give us a good old-fashioned phone call. Jim texting in, he says, Reed, I sure hope we have a real decor next season. The forwards need to help, yes, but they're the ones expected to score most of the goals. Well, I'll tell you this. I was just looking at the Oilers' goal differential, plus 35 last year. Uh, 240, but now when we talk about last year, we're still talking about 16-17 when they made the playoffs. 247-4, 212 against. Goals for this year, uh, they had 234. That's a drop of only 13 goals. I mean, that's, that's survivable, uh, but they allowed... 51 more goals than last season and we're minus 29 in terms of goal differential. I think Jim brings up a great point and and I think it's one thing that's probably going to be debated. Where does if they're going to get back into the playoffs it's it's going to come from a decrease in goals against. Where is that going to come from? Is that going to come from a penalty kill that's better throughout the season? Is that better defending in terms of stopping the cycle? Is that the defense doing a better job transitioning the puck up to the forwards because I think that was a strength of the Oilers last year that they didn't do as well uh, this year. And then obviously you factor in Talbot's performance, which uh, was um, which was better over the final third of the season. Uh, somebody asking if Peter Shirelli spoke today. He did not. All we know is he will speak tomorrow or Wednesday. We don't know when. Uh, you can text 630-630. Speaking of defense, uh, Oscar Clefbaum spoke about his shoulder surgery. They went in and basically vacuum cleaned uh, a lot of pieces of bone that was floating around in there. 
Uh, I was a little bit nervous because they didn't really know if I was going to be gone six months or six weeks. Um, but when I woke, woke up, I got some good news. So I'm, I feel very good about what happened and, and the surgery went well. So I'm very happy and very um, have a good feeling going back home to Sweden and know the shoulder is 100% now. Um, obviously, we, we don't want to be in this position again and when we have time to, to do a surgery this time of year. But that's what it was and, and this worked out really well. All right, so Clefbaum got that shoulder cleaned up. His surgery was a couple of weeks ago. He said he'll be able to lift weights in three to four weeks and get training again, so hopefully that goes well for him. Oscar Clefbaum, I mean, I think if you look at the blue line, and there are several players on the team where you're saying they they need to get back to levels they have been previous in their careers. Now, for some players, you're probably wondering, can they get back to that level because we haven't seen them do it a lot? So now you're worried 16-17 was a one-off. Uh, but other guys, maybe like Sekra or Lucic, now Sekra was injured, you're asking yourself, can they get back to a more normal level in terms of who they were? That's going to be a big debate throughout the summer and, and a big uh, question for coaching and management in terms of players they might bring in or how they might change roles on the team. I, I, I do have some more audio on that today because McClellan offered some things and, and Lucic's comments were really interesting about his future. But one thing that comes up a lot, obviously, is when you have a disappointing season and go 36-40-6, and six, the, the official gap that the Oilers were out of the last playoff spot turned out to be 17 points. So you can do the math. That is uh, nine wins, if you want to look at it that way. If you want to go by month, we're talking about basically three points a month. So they needed a, a win and an overtime loss additional per month. That's just to sneak in. Forget about winning a division or getting uh, getting home ice. Um, but when you have a disappointing season, okay, I know everybody says, is Peter Shirelli going to get fired? Is Todd McClellan going to get fired? Is, is somebody on the coaching staff going to get fired? I, I would, I, if I had to make an educated guess, I, I would think Peter Shirelli will be back. Because, and, and I would think Todd McClellan will be back. Now, perhaps we'll still see this week. Again, Peter Shirelli is supposed to talk to us within the next couple of days. Uh, I Bob Nicholson is, you know, in in charge of this type of stuff as the vice chair of OEG. He hired Peter Shirelli, who then in turn went out and hired Todd McClellan uh, almost three years ago now. Uh, I know Bob Nicholson, he's an interesting figure to watch in this. I, I don't know if he, he, I mean, he is aware of all the turnover that the franchise has had, which hasn't helped. It hasn't been the only problem, but it hasn't helped. Having said that, I mean, Bob Nicholson is also the guy who, uh, remember a few years ago, fired the coach of the women's Olympic hockey team like a month before the Olympics. So he's also not afraid to make moves. So that's that's another interesting thing to watch. But I would, if I had to bet a small sum of money, uh, I would bet that both Shirelli and McClellan will be in those positions with the Edmonton Oilers next season. We shall see. I, 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 I would think with them too, there is probably a lot of the thinking at least internally with the Oilers, okay, they, they had a they had a good year previously. I, I mean, I think, and I, and I realize Peter Shirelli is really vilified right now, and I've criticized him as well for his work over the last year, especially 
but again, you can't have it both ways. You can't say it's all his fault for what happened this year and then say he had nothing to do with the team being better the year before. I, to me, that logically doesn't jive. So I, I think there's probably something going on with the Oilers' upper, upper, upper management, like really high up there, saying, okay, is, is, this, the, is this the Todd McClellan who was always really good in San Jose and taught the guys a lot in their first year here and then was nominated for Coach of the Year? You know, I think they're still hoping that's the coach you have. And I think they're still hoping that, that Peter Shirelli is the guy who made some key moves for players uh, that helped them get into the playoffs the previous year. So that's to be examined. Now, as for the assistant coaches, and we'll, we'll stick with the guys who are, uh, I'm not going to go down to, you know, the, the minors or the video coach and all that kind of stuff, but you got Jay Woodcroft, you got Jim Johnson, and you got Ian Herbers. Woodcroft and Johnson came with McClellan from San Jose. He and Woodcroft, McClellan and Woodcroft especially, have been together a long time, since back in Detroit. I remember uh, the first time I interviewed Todd McClellan one-on-one for his when the day he was hired, I said, will Jay Woodcroft be on your coaching staff? Todd said, yes, he will. He's my right-hand man. That was before the Oilers had officially announced anything with the rest of the coaching staff. Todd committed to him being there. Ian Herbers, of course, is the other assistant coach, well-known in Edmonton, former Golden Bears player, former Oilers player, former Golden Bears coach, and uh, he's basically been on sabbatical for the U of A. So we'll see what happens there. But Todd McClellan, gave this answer when asked about the assistant coaches. There's a flow chart when it comes to evaluation. And uh, the assistant coaches are as committed a group as I've ever seen or been around. The work ethic and the commitment level is very high. But that's a, that's a level of evaluation that, that we have to get to. Um, you know, there's there's an owner, there's a, a, a president, a manager. Uh, it gets all the way down to the head coach, and then we go there. So that there, that's coming. Um, we have to to look at everything first, and uh, we have to get to that level before we uh, we get anywhere. All right. So I want to be careful here. Because I, I always try not to read too much into stuff. I don't want, I don't want to take one soundbite and, and turn the whole world over as a result of it. But it, it seemed to me just on the surface that was a relatively non-committal answer from Todd McClellan. Now, I'm sure there are still some meetings to be held and discussions to be had and, and contracts to be worried about and, and all that type of stuff. But... That I mean, I guess maybe I'm paying more attention to what McClellan didn't say as opposed to what he did say. And he didn't say, well, I expect this coaching staff to be back. He didn't say, well, barring opportunities for them to be head coaches in other organizations, I, I don't see why they wouldn't be back. You know, he didn't say, well, I like what we've all, all done together and I like how we work together and that's going to continue happening. He did praise the work ethic. He did praise the commitment. Absolutely. To be on a coaching staff in the NHL, you have to handle the, have those things. They're all putting in a lot of hours and breaking down a lot of film and all that sort of stuff. So I just, I just heard that and I actually thought and we will get to some other McClellan clips because he, he did say some, some other interesting things today. But in terms of something that really stood out to me today from the news conference, that was it from Todd McClellan. I mean, yes, he's gonna, he talked about the power play, talked about the penalty kill, but he went over a lot of the reasons for failure that 
he's been asked about and has talked about in some cases for several months because the Oilers kind of had a lot of problems, a lot of the same problems throughout the season. Maybe I guess something's changed, but you know what, you know what I'm saying? There, there, was, there, there was an element to, uh, I mean, it's been a couple months since we basically knew for sure that they were going to be out of the playoffs. And, and even, you know, in January, we knew it was pretty unlikely. So a, a lot of the comments that you might associate with, uh, you know, a post-mortem on a season ha- had already been discussed while the season was still going on. But to me, that question about the the assistant coaches, I don't know. I, I It wouldn't surprise me if something changed there. I don't know if it would be all three. Um, I, I I don't know if if they're going to have opportunities to go elsewhere or what or what's going on, but even if there are still some some meetings to be had and perhaps Todd has to sit down with Shirelli or do something like that, uh, I I thought that that was an answer that could have been could have been more committal, and and coming off a disappointing season, you know I thought that that the the door is definitely open for for some sort of change to that staff. Now, then you got to replace somebody. Um, you know, obviously there's there's always dozens of guys who could who could potentially fill in as NHL assistant coaches. So that's what I thought about that. Um, maybe I, I said I didn't want to read too much into it. Maybe I am now that I've gone through that explanation. But that's that was one comment that really struck me. So anyway, uh, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Trent writes in and says the biggest problem was hype. When media guys plant seeds in players of how they are cup contenders every single interview through the offseason carrying into this season, it plants a seed that things are going to be easy. I said all last summer that this mentality was very dangerous and that there are always going to be 30 other teams with something to say about it. That is a text from Trent. Well, McClellan did have this to say about dealing with with expectation, and he's going all the way back to last spring. You know, I'm going to go all the way back to uh, to our team meeting last year. We we lost in Game Seven to Anaheim. We flew back. We met the next day, and uh, there were, there was a good feeling around the, the group. Uh, but in that team meeting, uh, we tried to turn the page already to the next year and get the players to begin to think that they're back at the start line. You know, they just finished running the marathon, they collapsed, they're tired, they're, but they're happy. They finished the marathon, they, they extended their mileage a lot longer than they did in the past, and everything was in, in a pretty good spot, but we, we began to, to get them to think about starting a new one, and um, that happened in that meeting. We reminded them many times throughout the summer. Um, you know the, uh, the the white noise that's out there created by through media and, and friends and family and agents and all that type of stuff exists every year. Uh, it was a new way of, of us having to deal with it last year, and we didn't deal with it real well, despite all the warning. Um, coming into training camp, uh, the very first meeting that we had was uh, the first meeting we had was uh, one where we uh, we readdressed it. Um, I thought going into training camp we. Uh, we worked, but we still had that, you know, left shoulder, right shoulder, who are we listening to thing going on. Uh, for me, the uh, the biggest battle was after the first game against Calgary. Uh, we, we played well. In fact, flying with Glenn Gullitson yesterday, he thought was that was one of the toughest games they played all year. We took uh, some real 
gratification, if you will, in, in that game. And then I think we only played two games for the next 10 days, and that was the period where I believe it got away on us a little bit. And um, you, know, you can't turn back time. We never did get through it. Just for the sake of accuracy, they played three days over the next 10 games. They did have a break where they played on Monday and didn't play again until Saturday. They were 1-1 one one after losing in Vancouver. They then got swept on a three-game homestand. I, I know I, I saw some chatter today where uh, a couple people were like, the expectation storyline is, is, uh, is a tired one. Uh, and I would agree with that. Now, this was Todd looking back on the whole season. He was asked about it, so he answered it. That was his take. I thought it was a, an interesting take. He gave a couple of more details that he hadn't given before. I think that had an impact at the start of the season. I don't think it uh, should be relevant by some of the things that happened in December, January, you know, February, when they lost six in a row and completely dropped out of it. Having said that, hopefully it is something that they learn from if and when they are ever picked to uh, go deep in the playoffs again. All right, we're coming up to the 6.30 news. You can phone 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. More from McClellan and Milan Lucic. We'll talk about size when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6.30 Chad. Interesting story on the ESPN website about Masters champion Patrick Reed, and you may have heard this about the uh, the young man before. I know the uh, excellent book by Shane Ryan called Slaying the Tiger that came out about three years ago chronicles this as well. But Patrick Reed uh, does not talk to his parents. Does not talk to his parents. And uh, Ian O'Connor, who's a writer for ESPN.com, interviewed Bill Reed, Patrick's father, shortly after Patrick won. The Masters, they have uh, not spoken for several years. I know there was a story on golf.com a few years ago, and it's detailed in Shane Ryan's book about uh, Patrick's wife getting the parents basically kicked out of the U.S. Open in 2014. They were trying to watch Patrick play, and she saw them in the gallery and uh, got them removed from the grounds. Um from the article, Bill did not want to discuss the specifics of the estrangement other than say he desperately wants it to end. Bill and Jeanette, who is uh, the mother, are still waiting to meet Patrick's two young children, their two grandkids. Patrick Reed was asked on Sunday if his family's absence made the triumph bittersweet. He said, I'm just out here to play golf and to try to win golf tournaments. I know the chapter in that Slaying the Tiger book about Patrick Reed is simply called the villain and when he went to uh, college played NCAA golf he was accused of cheating uh, of basically hitting his ball into into some tall grass and then there being another ball nearby and him trying to say that was his ball he's denied that and then he was accused by teammates of uh, stealing out of the locker room so a bit of a checkered pass for Patrick Reed, but he was excellent over the weekend, held off an incredible charge from Jordan Spieth to win the green jacket. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30, Chad. The Blue Jays lead Baltimore 2-1. That is in the bottom of the fifth. You can call 780-496-0063. The text line is 630-630. And I want to remind you, some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down home 
down south comfort food to Edmonton with southern classics and other tasty treats salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com Oilers players talking yesterday and the uh, coach talking today oh I just got a text about the golf Peggy says is it really important that we know the private life of Patrick Reed You know what, Peggy? I would say no, but I think it's an interesting story. I, I mean, I, I think if you're if you're Patrick Reed, or if you're one of the top golfers in the world, and he is, or you're one of the top athletes in the world, it may not always be right, it may not always make sense, but people want to know about you. People want to know about you. And a lot of the top golfers come from uh, a lot of the top athletes. Okay, let, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Peggy, to play devil's advocate. Let me let me ask you this to play devil's advocate. Is it really important that we know the private life of Patrick Reed? If you're asking me that, then is it really important we know that Wayne Gretzky's dad built a a, a a backyard pond and got him skating on it and all that backstory. I mean, if you, if, if I, I, to me, if you're saying, I don't want to know the, the checkered past, then you should also say to me, you, you don't want to know anything. Just tell me Patrick Reed's a good golfer. Just tell me Wayne Gretzky's a good golfer. I, I, I understand there's a, there's a uh, tabloidy ac- aspect perhaps to the Patrick Reed story, but uh, here's the thing. A guy who wins the most prestigious golf tournament in the world and his parents aren't there and they want to be there and he doesn't want them there, well, I think that's a story. I, I think I, I think that's, that's something that's interesting, even if we don't totally know why... Um, why the estrangement ha- has occurred. You know, if the dad doesn't want to talk about the backstory, Patrick and his wife haven't, haven't uh, really talked about it. But uh, yeah, I, Peggy, I, I understand why you say that, but, but respectfully, when, when athletes and people, and this can go to movie, movie stars, politicians, or, or, or whatever, uh, you know, reach a point where they're, they're in the public eye, other things about them are, are going to come up. So... Peggy, I guess what I would say to you, and I'm not trying to be argumentative, let's just look at it from a different way. If, if, if you're saying, what does that have to do with, 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 with Patrick Reed? Why, why, why do we need to know about his private life? Then you're also telling me, don't show Caitlin Osmond's parents on TV when they're watching her win a bronze medal at the Olympics, right? And they're crying and they're joyful. I mean, I don't think you can have it both ways. I, I think you either want the backstory and the surrounding support group or, or lack of it or the inspiration or the motivation or the mentorship. I, I, and then I don't think you can say, well, no, you, you're not allowed to talk about that if it's not totally positive. I think that that is highly interesting, highly interesting that Patrick Reed's parents wanted to be there for the final round of the Masters, got to see their son achieve the greatest title in the world of golf and Patrick Reed is asked about it and he's just like yeah I'm just trying to win a golf tournament about his own parents Peggy I totally I totally believe you 
that you don't think it's important. I totally believe you. But 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 there's a story there, and and that's and well, quite frankly, I think it's strange. Maybe, maybe some people wouldn't call it strange. I, I think it's strange. I mean, I mean, I I, I joke about my uh, my mom and dad on this show all the time. I'm sure people listen regularly. They uh, they know I'm pretty close with my parents. They know that my mom hates the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They know that she was uh, that I read text messages I got from her during Oilers playoff games last year. Okay, so there's a little bit about me. I, but, I, but I think if I flat out ever said on this show, I'm Reed Wilkins and I host the show and I don't speak to my parents, even though they live in Edmonton, I think people would be like, oh, wow, what is going on there? That's all. Uh, Murr the Flames guy says, I'd like to hear more about Patrick Reed. Sounds interesting. John says, Reed, people love the dirt. It's human nature. We would much rather hear something scandalous than something... Mundane. Peggy has written back, and I appreciate that. She says, I'm sorry, but a positive piece of info is different from a very negative piece of info right after his win. Yes, I believe that kind of hype isn't needed. Well, I'll say this. The dad did the interview. The dad did the interview. So if that's the only way he can communicate with his son... Uh, Carlos says, I will say, uh, let Patrick Reed be. I vote for him to keep his privacy. We would do the same with Gretzky if he wanted privacy. And uh, this texter offering some perspective there uh, on this text saying, hi there. Would just like to say that to hear someone not wanting to talk about their parents after this weekend should really sit back and see how quickly life can be taken away at a flash of our eyes. People should really all take a good look at what has happened and let bygones be bygones. Those people that lost their young men this weekend would understand how quickly things can change. Uh, Brad says, part of what makes sports so compelling is the human drama of people who live and perform on such a different plane. The backstory and personal details are not a separate story. They are intrinsic to the story and to our enjoyment of the sport. And Oz says, we are humans. We want these people to be human like us because their fame gives them an aura of elevated status. This helps connect us to our heroes, he puts in quotes, who carry good and bad luggage. I gotta say, pretty uh, intelligent comments coming in on the text line. And I, 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 look, I don't expect, I don't expect people to agree with me. I totally understand where Peggy is coming from, but I, I guess I'm more on the side of some of those textures that's saying, you know, it's it's all part of, it it is all part of the story, right? It is all part of the story. And I I agree, I will say this. I know with the the the, the Patrick Reed stuff. I was playing devil's advocate. It, it, yes, it's it's maybe not the same as Tiger Woods' backstory with his with his dad. And I think sometimes when we look into, and I, I don't think we do it really on Inside Sports, Dustin. But if, you know, if we're looking into the romantic lives or sex lives of athletes, or you know, the more tabloidy stuff of taking pictures of them in public or when they're having a beer, I I, I don't think that's that's not what I'm talking about. But I do think a champion golfer in a sport where there's often parental support, not not being there for the final round of the Masters, and the golfer himself not wanting them there, I, th- I think that's worth a mention. And like I said, the dad did an interview with ESPN. The, the dad did an interview. 
So think about that. How would you feel as a parent if the only way to communicate potentially with your son or daughter was to do an interview with a news outlet? Because I think that's what Bill Reed is doing. He's saying, Patrick, I'm proud of you. I'd love to tell you I'm proud of you. I'd love to walk in the gallery when you're playing. I'd love to talk to you about around. To me, that's a very human story. And, and, it, and it is sad to it. And I'm not diminishing, I'm not diminishing what Patrick Reed accomplished between the ropes. He is, a, he is an excellent golfer. He's an excellent golfer. Because of other things that had happened, yes, by some people, he has been vilified. And, and yes, because of that, for some golf fans, he's not a very popular golfer. But that's that's all part of the story. But I appreciate the text to 630-630. It is 644. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll get back uh, with some comments from Milan Lucic. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630-CHED. I do, I do enjoy many of the uh, texters who uh, write in. By the way, the Big L and Yakushev haven't been heard from yet tonight. Hope they're out there. Uh, this is a good one from Sean. He says, private lives are way more interesting. Uh, Babe Ruth slept with Lou Gehrig's wife, made more money than the President of the United States. His best coach was a priest in Babe's orphanage, and he gave away money and anything else he may have because he wanted to and he could. Much more interesting than his 714 homers and 18 or more hot dogs per nine innings. Now, Sean, did you <laughs> did you get that, that hot dog stat off baseball reference? Do they have that? It's a pretty detailed stat site, Sean, but I don't know if they have the 18 hot dog site. <laughs> the 18 hot dog stat. <laughs> That's a good one. Oz says, uh, Michael Jordan once tipped a waitress $5 in Vegas. Gretzky was with him, pulled that uh, pulled that back and threw in 100 instead and told MJ, this is how we tip in Vegas, Michael. This is an example of a backstory that turns a legend into a great man. Without these stories, we don't have the passion for our sports and our players. Those stories are what make us fans and not just occasional spectators. That is from Oz. Uh, and uh, James says, uh, Reed, uh, as usual, tongue-in-cheek like you, I would like to thank Peggy for not making your show mundane. LOL. Well, hey, that was a good text from Peggy. Uh, now we got some good text. I still, Sean, send me the link to that hot dog stat with Babe Ruth. Send me the link. How many hot dogs do you think you could eat during the course of a, a nine-inning baseball game, Dustin? I'm not sure. He's actually. You should see his I'm face. <laughs> he's fairly. He's his his brow furrowed. <laughs> That's uh, great. Still, just just say any number less than eighteen. Seven. Okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that is great. Okay. Uh, well, speaking of uh, eating hot dogs or eating fewer hot dogs, best transition I should come up with, Milan Lucic obviously spoke to the uh, assembled media horde yesterday at Rogers Place. What a dreary final half of the season for Milan Lucic. Well, a little more than half. One goal in his last 46 games. He had a 29-game drought, then he scored, then he had another 16-game drought to finish it off. It was tough for him. Uh, besides not being able to finish some 
you know, a few glorious chances along the way. He obviously had some trouble uh, handling the puck, completing passes, getting pucks out of his own end, all that kind of stuff. Now, we all know, oh, the game has gotten faster. There's my famous, my my next uh, favorite buzz, buzz phrase right up there with play the right way. Uh, it, it is a fast game. It, it, it is a fast-paced game. So, Milan Lucic was asked, do, do you got to lose weight? Do you have to do more cardio? What has to happen? I think one of the misconceptions can be at times is that lighter automatically means faster. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big person, and it's hard to, to say, oh, you just got to get lighter, and automatically you're going to get faster, where sometimes you, if, it, if you lose muscle just to get lighter, then you lose power, you lose strength, and then... You, what what good is that if 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 this conception that you're lighter is you're faster but you know uh, but also it's a realization of 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 what you guys were talking about and in which way the league's going and i mean i've built a foundation of strength for myself as far as uh how hard i've worked in the gym since 16 17 years old well you heard it there from matt milan lucic i'm a big person Lighter isn't necessarily faster. Now, Lucic is going to have to play better. There's going to have to be a little bit more of quickness and pace to his game. He turns 30 in the summer. He's not all of a sudden going to completely transform. And to me, Milan Lucic is going to be the most fascinating player on the Oilers to watch next season. In, in ter- I mean, McDavid's fascinating in terms of what he can accomplish on the ice. But when you talk about trying to bounce back from this season, trying to live up to the contract, still being other co- under contract for another five years, having a no-move clause, this guy is an Oiler. He contributed last year. This year, his contributions for the first 35 games were basically on par with that. And then we saw long, long stretches where were there not only not goals, there weren't a lot of hits, there were a lot of mistakes, all that kind of stuff. He, had, In terms of his shooting percentage and his offense, he had one other off year in his career. He bounced back. Can he bounce back next year at an older age in perhaps a more limited role on the team than he would have been in Boston when he bounced back before? Can he do all that stuff? And, but I also think, as much as the Oilers need him to do that, you as fans need him to do that for the team to win more games. A, a Milan Lucic who comes back 30 pounds lighter is not Milan Lucic. His body is built a certain way. It needs to carry a certain amount of weight for him to forget about skating fast, for him to be able to skate at all. So if Milan Lucic sheds 30 pounds and reports to training camp, I'm going to think, well, we are doomed. And then again, this is this is the this is the fascinating thing about Lucic. And I will I will I will also go ask you this because there there are a lot of good players in the NHL who aren't really fast skaters. There are a lot of players in the NHL who aren't really fast skaters who can contribute. And I think when we talk about the quickness and pace that Lucic might have been lacking, I don't know if it was necessarily foot speed. I think it was more puck handling. 
could he get the puck on his stick and make that quick little breakout pass to get the puck to whoever was playing center with him? Right? Could he find the puck in a goal mouth scramble and get his hands to it, get his stick to it quicker than the defenders could clear it, and that's how he gets his goals around the net? So I'm sure he'll he'll work on some things. That t- but he, I mean, he can't sit there as a 30-year-old this summer and and completely transform everything he's ever done to be successful. I mean, you're not you're not going to turn a fullback into a wide receiver at the age of 30. He's going to try to become a better fullback. So that's the interesting thing about Milan Lucic. It's not like I'm old, you know. It's not like I'm sitting here at 35, 36 years old. So I turned 30 in in two months from now, and I, I feel like I... I still have a lot to give, and to be honest, when I came in this year, this is probably the best shape I was in in the last four years, and uh, I unfortunately, you know, didn't get rewarded for it, but at the end of the day, you know, I find as you get older and all that type of stuff, you, you think to uh, cherish things a little more, and, um, you know, I want to make the most of whatever I've left in this league and and, then be the player that I know I can be. Troy texting in. He says, hey, Reed, you hit the nail on the head. Milan needs to figure out how to give and take a pass at NHL speed. Full stop. That is from Troy texting 630-630. All right, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break for the news. Uh, In the next half hour of the show, we uh, will bring you some perspective on the Humboldt Broncos bus tragedy. We'll get to know one of the young men who lost his life in that crash. We'll bring in Gene Principe, who obviously Edmontonian from Sportsnet, and uh, he went to Humboldt to cover some of the stories there. Uh, Jay says, uh, Lucic, more work on his puck handling. I just hope... It's on breakout passes and his work on the board. Still love having him there to break someone's face when needed. That is from Jay. Uh, Mark says, uh, read this continuity thing about the Oilers coaching staff is lip service. If you uh, haven't read David Staples yet, you should. It shows why many champion coaches in the NHL had short stays with said team. Well, Mark, I wonder if you text David Staples and tell him he should listen to my show. I don't care what David Staples says. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.